Amen. Turn in your Bibles now to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. While you're turning there, let me tell you, I'm glad that you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here. Uh, it is a Friday night, homecoming night. We've got football games, volleyball games, uh, all sorts of stuff to, to be at. And I'm glad that you chose uh, to be here tonight. Do you know tonight that God has something for you to do? Do you know God wants to use you for his glory. I think one of the great uh, misunderstandings, one of the great misperceptions of the Christian faith is that our salvation somehow is the end. Today, I'm, I'm afraid that the majority of people that are professing faith in Jesus believe that getting saved, that gaining eternal life by faith in Jesus is the finish line. And they believe that you're lost in your sin. They believe that you trust Jesus as your Savior in that that you're saved. And they mistakenly believe that that is the mission accomplished. I think those folks believe that after that, all they have to do is to wait for Jesus uh, to appear. And I think our churches are, are full of people. Our world is full of Christians that are waiting for Jesus to, to appear. Uh, they come to church. Uh, they hear a sermon, they sing songs to remind them that Jesus is coming. And that's what it's about. Life is hard, life is tough. And so when they come, they come and they want to hear a sermon. They want to sing songs to remind them that Jesus is coming. And then they go back to their life to wait again on Jesus. Well, friend, I want you to understand tonight, the reality is God has something for you to do. Now, I want to ask you to quit looking around at other folks. I'm talking about you tonight. Some of you are going, yeah, over there. The reality is this. God has something for you to do. I, I have said for years now, a couple of years, that a radical Savior should have radical disciples. And that's what I believe. I, I truly believe that a radical Savior, our Savior Jesus, should have radical disciples. Well, here's the deal this evening. Today, the world, the lost, hurting world, needs radical disciples of Jesus to show up. And I watch the news. I watch what's happening today. Our world today needs radical disciples of Jesus Christ to show up. And then here's the deal. Today, God is calling you to exist as a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. Again, we hear that and we think, well, it must be somebody else. It must be uh, some other background. Listen, young or old, male or female, new believer or longtime believer, today, tonight, God is calling for you to exist as a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. Did you ever think that's what these 100 days are for? To equip you, to grow you, to shape you, to encourage you to exist as a radical disciple of Jesus. Did you ever think God meant to use these days to reach the lost? Yes, for sure, but to prepare you for the great purpose that he has for you. Do you know that's what he wants to do? He wants to use these 100 days to build you and to encourage you and to train you to exist in these last days as a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Tonight our message is entitled, Developing Daring Disciples. Developing Daring Disciples. Tonight we've moved to the 11th chapter, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Developing Daring Disciples. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in the first verse, God's Word says this. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death. For the glory, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Verse 16, therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for you. We're thankful tonight we have a Savior. We're thankful tonight we have hope in that Savior, that we have peace that is well-grounded tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for this Friday night. I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and to again fellowship with believers. Again, sing your praises. Again, exalt your name and to again hear your voice and your word. Lord, I pray that tonight on this Friday night that you would speak. I pray that it would be a supernatural event. I pray that you would move. I pray that your word, I know it's living and active. I pray that it would pierce our hearts, our minds, and you would speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray for some and maybe many in the hearing of this message that do not know you. I pray that in this night, they hear the good news of the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, salvation by faith in our risen Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray that again, you would remove any hindrance from their hearing and their believing tonight. And Lord, we just come and we quickly exalt you, we point to you, we tell you we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So we begin chapter 11 tonight. Jesus' public ministry has come to an end. He has left Jerusalem. He is headed to a desolate area across the Jordan River, and he will spend these last couple of months there training and teaching and, 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 and talking to, building, encouraging his disciples. Now, I want to show you right off the bat, there's something to see already just in that. Notice this, as the time of the cross and his ascension to heaven draws near, he is not frantically trying to make converts. Notice this, his days are numbered. It's about two, two and a half months until the cross. And with his days numbered, he's not out frantically trying to reach the unbelieving Jews, or anyone else. No, he is building those who will take up his mission after he is gone. I want you to get this. Jesus came to make a way of salvation for doomed sinners. That's why he came. Jesus came to make a way for those that are lost in their sins to be forgiven and restored in their relationship with God. But the mission of leading people to that salvation rests with his disciples. Get this tonight. It is no different today. It is no different today. I want you to think about this. It is no different today. Today, if people will find Jesus, if they are to hear the good news of Jesus, it will be through his disciples or it will not happen. Do you understand that? If they're going to hear about Jesus, if they're going to hear about hope, if they're going to find peace in a world with no peace, it will happen in the mouth of the disciples of Jesus or it will not happen. And so here at the end of his ministry, he's not frantically running around trying to convince somebody else. He is building his disciples. Listen to me tonight. God has something for you to do. God has something for you to do. So in our verses, Jesus is with his disciples, building his disciples. All right, let's go to our verses. As we go tonight, I'm going to point out three things that we need to be sure of to exist and to grow and to be useful as a disciple of Jesus Christ, to exist as a disciple of Jesus, to grow as a disciple of Jesus, and to be useful as a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to point out three things along the way. Let's go to our verses, beginning in the first verse. Verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 1 tells us of a sick man and his two worried sisters. The Bible says the man is Lazarus. It is a name that is short for the Hebrew name Eleazar, which means God has helped us. It's a pretty common name in that day. His sisters, the Bible says, are Mary and Martha. They live in the town of Bethany. Bethany is on the edge of Jerusalem. It's on the crest of the hill before you start to make your way into the city of Jerusalem. It's about two miles from Jerusalem proper. Right, verse 2. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, 
whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 2 helps us be certain of the people in the account. We know from the other gospel accounts, we also know from the gospel of John, these people were dear friends of Jesus. They were his dear friends. We know from the gospel accounts that Jesus stayed with them many times when he visited Judea or when he visited Jerusalem. As he came, many times he would stay with them. This verse tells us Mary was the Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with a perfumed oil. That account is in the other Gospels, and it's going to be told to us in the 12th chapter of John, which is coming up. Now, I want to tell you, when I think about that, I'm curious about several things. When I think about these folks, the dear friends of Jesus, I am curious about many things. I wonder, how did he meet them? How do you become the close friends of Jesus? I wonder how they became friends. Where, where, was their, where were they talking that they became close friends? I wonder, why was he their close friends, but not somebody else? Why didn't he go to someone else's house? Why were these folks his close friends. What was it about these people that they became his close friends? I wonder what did they do when Jesus visited? Did they sit out and talk about the Old Testament? Did they cook out? Did they play Uno? I don't know. What did, I wonder what they did as close friends of Jesus. Verse 3. He would always know what was in your hand if they did. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Very important verse. So the sisters sent word to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, Jesus is about a day's journey away. Lazarus is sick. And so they send him a message. The message is, Lord, behold. Now that word means see or know, know he whom you love is sick. Know that. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now I want you to see this. Notice they do not ask him to do anything. Do you notice that? They do not say, you've healed many people. We know all about that. Can you come at once and heal him? That's not what they say. They do not say, we need your help. We're in a dire situation. We need your help. No, all they say is, behold, he whom you love is sick. That brings us to our first point tonight. We need to know as disciples. And I'll just tell you, the first thing we need to know to be sure of as daring disciples is the truth that you can trust the Savior's love. You can trust the Savior's love. Now, I want you to see tonight the message of John's gospel is the message of the gospel, is the truth of our God, and that is that he so loves. That is who he is, and so that is what he does. I want you to get this. Be sure of this tonight. The great theme of the Christian faith is God so loves. He so loves that he creates. He so loves that he saves. He so loves that he sacrifices. He so loves that he cares for us. Listen, God so loves. 
And if we're to be his daring disciples, we need to be certain of, we need to be convinced of his great love. Listen to me tonight. He won't hurt us. He won't leave us. He won't abandon us. He won't trick us. He won't shame or embarrass us. He won't lead us astray. He won't neglect or forget about us. Why? Because he so loves us. I don't know if I've said this lately, but you are so loved by God. Listen, you are so loved by God. That is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the essence of what we believe as Christians. Listen to me. You are so loved by God. First thing we need to know is we can trust in the Savior's love. I was writing that out this afternoon. The song hits my head. It happens all the time. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Listen to me tonight. We can trust in the Savior's love. It's who he is. He so loves. All right, verse four. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. He says in verse 4, this will not end in death. Now, it will pass through death. There is going to be a death. But he says, it will not end in death. But he says it will end for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now, we saw a few days ago the truth that there is something worse than being sick. And there is something worse than dying from that sickness. We live in an age where, you know what, the worst thing that could ever happen is you'd be sick. The worst thing, you must be God forsaken if you're sick. The worst thing that could ever happen is you would die from that sickness. Listen, the first thing that would be the worst thing that could ever happen is not trusting Jesus and dying in your sin, but the second worst thing is living and never bringing glory to Jesus. Be sure tonight, you've got something to do. You've got something to do. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. They knew Jesus loved them. And their hope was set in the fact that Jesus loved them. You notice that? We don't have to send some crazy message. We don't have to beg him to come do something. They were safe in the fact that Jesus loved them, and they knew it. The Greek word for love in verse 3 is phileo. It is, it is love like a brother. He, he loved him like a brother, verse 3. The Greek word for love in verse 5 is agapeo, agape love. It is Christian love. And so we see here, Jesus loved them. What a great picture. Verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, most likely by the time that Jesus got the message, Lazarus was already dead. We're going to see that in the coming verses, how that plays out with the timetable. But most likely by the time the message gets to Jesus, Lazarus is already dead. But here's the weird thing. When he hears that his friend is sick, 
It says that he stayed two days longer where he was at. And remember, he's in the desert there by the Jordan River. He hears the message, and the weird thing is he stays two days longer. Verse 7. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, remember with me, Judea was looking to kill Jesus. They had just gotten out of there. They left, I believe, for that reason. They just got out of there. Uh, Jerusalem is the hotbed. The religious leaders there, they are set. Now, listen, they're not threatening. They are set on killing Jesus. Judea wants him dead. Jerusalem is seeking his death. And he says, let's go to Judea. Verse 8. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? The reality is if they find Jesus, they're going to kill him. If they hear of him being there, if they see that he's there, if the word gets out and makes it over to somebody, he will die. That is the reality. If they find him in Judea, in Jerusalem, he will die. Verses 9 and 10 together. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Now Jesus here is using this picture to describe his earthly ministry. There is a set period for it to occur. It occurs in the day. And there is a time when he will ascend and go to heaven, and that will be the time of darkness. Well, he says here in this verse, those times are set. And so he can do what he needs to do. He can do what he came to do without fear. Now, notice he is telling that to the disciples. That brings us to the second point. To be a daring disciple we can have confidence in the Savior's plan. We can have confidence in the Savior's plan. Now what that means is, listen, if we are living in God's will, we can be confident. If we are living in God's will, we can be bold. If we're living in God's will, we can understand we are safe living in the will of God. Now I want you to be sure tonight, that doesn't mean you won't have trouble living in the will of God. That doesn't mean you won't have hardships living in the will of God, but it does mean that you are safe living in the will of God. It doesn't mean you won't be persecuted living in the will of God. It doesn't even mean you won't die living in the will of God, but it means you are on solid footing, you are safe, and you can be confident living in the will of God. Listen to me tonight. We'd have a lot more peace in our lives. And I'll tell you, one of the things that marks our day and marks our culture is the absence of peace. The absence of peace. We'd have a lot more peace in our lives if we weren't always moving forward in our plans. We'd have a lot more peace in our life if we weren't always moving forward with our agendas. You see, those are uncertain. But we can be sure we are safe in the will of God. Second thing, we can have confidence in the Savior's plan. If you're going to be a daring disciple, you're going to have to know that. 
You can have confidence in the Savior's plan. Verse 11. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Now the word for sleep, it means that he had died. Verse 12. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Here's the deal in verse 12. They'd still rather not go. They'd still rather not go. If he's asleep, he'll wake up, Lord. If he's asleep, he'll recover. We need not go. It's, it's fine. It reminds me of when we started our visitation program. I was at a different church, and I was a young guy, and we started it. And we decided, we're going to go. We're going to tell folks about Jesus. And you knock on the door and say, oh, I hope they're not home. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't hear the air conditioner running. I hope they're not home. They'd still rather not go. They'd rather not. Lord, he's asleep. He'll wake up. We better not go. Verse 13. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. Verse 14. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am convinced the hardest thing to hear is that someone has died. And you can picture some of, your, some of your family members, some of your spouses, some of your parents, some of your kids. The hardest thing I believe to hear is that somebody's died. And I don't, I don't care who you are and I don't care who they were. I don't care how long they've been sick or if you knew it was coming. I don't, I don't care if you were ready for it and if they were ready for it. It is hard to have the news delivered. They are dead. You see, when they're dead, their dreams have died and they're left unfulfilled by them. Whatever dreams they had, whatever schemes they had, they've died with them. When they die, their plans are rolled up and they're stored away. They'll not be carried out by them. Whatever grand plans they have, they've died with them. Their voice for now, it's gone silent. When they've died, their voice has gone silent. Oh, I'd love to hear that voice one more time. Maybe that laugh again. If they just say that again, oh, I'd like to hear that voice. It's gone silent. When they're dead, their company is not to be had, not for now. And sometimes you think, oh, I'd like to just have one more day, just one more day, maybe even an hour. If I could just sit and talk again, their company is gone when they're dead. They are dead. Jesus says of his beloved friend, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now I want you to notice he doesn't say he's glad Lazarus is dead. He doesn't say he takes any joy in the fact that he's dead. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. And that brings us to the third point, and that is this. We can find peace in the Savior's timing. We can find peace in the Savior's timing. See this tonight. Jesus desires that we grow in our faith. Do you know that? He doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He wants you to grow in your faith. 
He desires that we would grow in our faith. He desires that we would learn that he is trustworthy and he's not just trustworthy. He is always trustworthy. He wants us to know that. He wants us to know that he is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. He wants us to know he's faithful, but not just faithful, that he is always faithful. He desires that we grow in our faith. And in that, his perfect timing rules. What I mean by that is this. We say, we want this. We want this timetable. That's what we say. We want this timetable. We want this to happen. We want it now. Sometimes they come along and say, we want it not now, but we want it later. Sometimes they come along and say, we want it not later, but right now. Sometimes we come along and say, oh, I can't see what God is doing here. I'm not sure why he's doing this. I'm not sure why we had to go through it. I'm not sure why this is happening. I don't understand. I don't like this. And we begin to panic. We begin to scramble around. We start trying to take things into our own hands. If he's not going to do it, I'll have to do it. And the truth is this. Listen, our God loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And the truth is our Savior's plan is perfect down to the smallest detail and we are safe in his will. And so the truth is this, listen to me tonight, we can find peace in the Savior's timing. We don't have to rush. We don't have to slow down. We just have to rest in him. We can find peace in the Savior's timing. Verse 16, therefore, I like that. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Didymus, the word Didymus means twin. Uh, It's a weird thing. Somewhere in the world, Thomas had a twin. I don't know if it was a twin sister, I don't know if it was a twin brother, but somewhere out there, uh, Thomas has a twin. Over the years, I've come to like Thomas. Uh, Over the years, I've decided that Thomas gets a bad rap. Uh, Forever he's called Doubting Thomas. Do you know that? Forever he's called Doubting Thomas. We may call him that, Doubting Thomas. He wasn't there when the other disciples first see Jesus. And so when he comes along, he's a little bit late. He comes along and they say, we, we've seen the Savior. He's alive. And he says, well, I want to see him. I won't believe until I see him. Guess what? They had seen him. He's no different. He says, I want to see him. Well, Jesus comes. He says he comes in the room and he sees Thomas. And he says, reach into my hand, touch my side. Go read the account. Thomas doesn't do it. He says, my Lord and my God. He goes on to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. He dies for the call of his Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, here I I read this verse, and here he says to the still debating disciples, he says to the still delaying disciples, let's go. If he dies, so do we. We're with him. I don't know if it'll catch on, but I've changed his name to Daring Thomas. Daring Thomas. You know what? We'll go. If he dies, we'll die with him. 
You know what? We know it's volatile down there. We know it's not sure down there. But we know our Savior's love. We know His timing is perfect. We know His will is perfect to a T. And He says, if we're going to die, we'll die with the Savior of the world, Jesus. Let's go. We'll die with Him. First thing tonight is this. God loves you. God loves you. Now listen, He offers salvation to you tonight. He came in the person of Jesus, paid for the penalty of sin. In his sacrifice, we have the forgiveness of sin. God loves you. First thing tonight is this. If you don't know Jesus, turn to him tonight. Trust him tonight. He'll save you tonight. God loves you. He offers salvation to you in the person of Jesus tonight. Second thing is this. Listen very carefully. God loves you, and he calls you to be his disciple, to serve him boldly. He calls you to tell others of his love. That's the only way they're ever going to hear. Let me tell you what God's plan is this. Here's God's plan. His plan is that a loved person would so, be so convinced of his love that they'd tell a lost world of that love. You see that? That's what his plan is. That you'd be so convinced that he is love and he loves me and he died for me and my hope is in him. His plan is that a loved person would be so convinced of that love that they would endeavor to take their life and tell others of that love. Tonight, listen to me very carefully. You can be sure of his love. You can be sure of his plan. You can trust his timing. God has something for you to do. Oh, that we would be daring disciples. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for this truth. Thankful for this picture of you in endeavoring to train and encourage and to build disciples that brought the gospel to this pulpit tonight. That told somebody, that told somebody, that told somebody, that didn't get tired, that didn't get distracted, that didn't get apathetic, but told somebody, that told somebody, that told somebody, that they told me. Lord, I'm thankful for folks that are so convinced of your love, they give their lives to tell others of that love. Lord, I pray first off, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, anybody listening that tonight they would turn to you and in your grace and in your power, by faith in Jesus, they'd be saved tonight. And I pray for believers tonight as we hear this message, as we hear about daring Thomas, that we'd be just as daring. And we would give ourselves our very breath to tell the world, God so loves. Lord, I pray that you move in this time of invitation. I pray that you've been glorified in the preaching of your word. I pray that you're glorified in the response of it. We give it to you. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service. We're going to conclude our service with a time of invitation, a time of response. And it is the most important thing we'll do today. In fact, it's the most important thing we'll do in this 100 days is respond to the truth of God's preached word. Here's the good news. God loves you. He loves you. He sees you in your state, in your sin condemned, guilty, lost, perishing. He sends his only begotten son, his one and only son. He goes to the cross. He pays for your sin and the greatest act of love ever imaginable. He pays for your sin and my sin. He even becomes our sin. He carries our shame. He pays for it on the cross of Calvary. He dies for sin, mine and yours. They put him in a grave. The payment is paid in Jesus, in his blood. Three days later, he walks out of the grave. He stands as the victor. He stands as the defeater of death. 
He stands as the perfect lamb now risen. The Bible says if you will trust him, not in your work, not because you got good, not because you came to a service, but in trusting him, you are saved. If you'll profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Romans 10, 9, 10, 13, you shall be, will be saved. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him tonight. Turn to him tonight. He'll save you tonight. If you follow Christ, if you've trusted Christ, if you've put your faith in him, but you've never fought in believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and say, I want to testify. I, I, I want to show what I believe of Christ in obedience to what Christ says. And you come tonight, we'll set a, a, a day of, of celebration and we'll, we'll have a baptism testifying to what we believe of our Savior, Jesus. If that's you tonight, speaking to you tonight, you come, we'll take care of that. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, believe God has led you here. We'll, we'll unite and we'll carry his truth, his word for his glory. Maybe tonight on this Friday night, you'd come and just pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. I don't know what issue you're dealing with, but I can tell you this, our God is faithful, our God is trustworthy. Nothing's too big and nothing's too small, and you can bring it to him. Maybe you want to come pray here at an altar. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, if he's speaking to you, you step out, you come on. <laughs>